0: Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Next, you will hear the sermon titled, The Power of God. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message.
1: Acts chapter 4, verse 31. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. In verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Lord, we come to You in the name of Jesus. And for a few moments in Your pulpit today, Lord, we ask for the anointing to flow not only from the lips of the pastor, Lord, but the hearers as well, Lord, that we may understand Your Word in greater degree, that it would feed our soul for this journey called life, Lord. We'll be careful to give You honor and praise. We ask these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Two Texans were traveling together on vacation and they decided to stop at one of the greatest natural wonders our nation has to offer and the niagara falls and as they took the beautiful drive from lake erie to the falls they were in great admiration of the at the size and the power of the niagara river and they were particularly impressed with the rapids and just above the falls, and they stood there and stopped and looked. And from there, there's a mist cloud you can see that always overhangs the falls. And with our technology we have today, you can go there today. You can watch videos. I think they even have live cams. It's, it's a sight to behold just on video, much less standing in person. And one of the men that was that had already seen this grand sight, he said to the other man, come and I want to show you the greatest unused power in the world. And he took him to the foot of Niagara Falls. And they have a place there where you can observe the water coming down. And the man said, this is the greatest unused power in the world. Another man replied, oh no, my friend, it's not so. The greatest unused power in the world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. I think we all... From time to time, we forget how much power is available with the Holy Spirit. And especially in this day, this modern church age, you don't even hear about it that much. You just, you hear motivational tight sermons and that's it. There, there's a great power, the power of God, that we all need this power. More so in this day that we live in. I don't know how you could make it in this day without that power of God, especially to fulfill the Great Commission. We need power to live this Christian life. We need power to overcome the enemy of our soul. And power to reach a lost world. We finished up our study in Mark this past Wednesday night. And the last thing we looked at was the Great Commission. And in that commission where Jesus gives the church the instructions of what it should be doing once he leaves, Jesus promised us that we would have great power on this earth power to cast out demons, power to heal, power to go and preach the gospel. And you can have this great power too. It's, it's easy. It's not that complicated. Don't complicate the thing. Because it's not difficult for you to have that power working in your life. There was power in prayer. Notice in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken and that literally means that the presence of God come in and filled it, and it was shaking. You could feel the presence of God. It was noticeable among the people. And I long for those days to walk into the church, and I'd love to see every single service to where the, the, the power of God is so strong, everybody's shaken by that power. We need that. You need that power in your life, especially when you you come to church and to me, church should be one of these places. Man, I've had a rough week and I've had enough of the world. And just to come into a sanctuary for a few minutes every Sunday morning and Wednesday night, Sunday night, just to let go of the world and experience the power of God and hear the Word declared and to sing about the grace and mercy of God. And notice too, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They're filled with the Holy Ghost is the evidence of the secondary work of grace of God and His power. It's it's, it's a a fulfillment of power for service. uh, The Holy Ghost, yes, you can go into heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I get that and I understand that. But you as a Christian should desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one thing you can't get around, and we're not going to go into that today in depth, But the initial physical evidence that one has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. And you can't get around that. There's a move going on in the Christian world to try to circumvent that, to try to go around that and say there's other evidences. And there's just not. The Bible is very clear that if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you will speak in tongues. It's not the only evidence. Once you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's just not you speak in tongues one time and that's it. That was just the beginning of it. There's many more evidences that that will come out in your life. And one of them is the power to witness. But I I think the greatest fulfillment in my life, there was a young Jehovah Witness man that come to my door one day. And I've grazed over some of their Bible. And... He was there, he'd come up on my porch and he's talking to me about their church. and, and And I said, can I see your Bible real quick? And oh yeah, and he grabbed it. And when I grabbed his Bible, I had a power come over me that wasn't of this world. And the best I can explain it, I don't know if I have human words, it was like the Holy Spirit was telling me exactly where to turn in that Bible. And I would flip there. And I would read something to him and I would explain to him how his Bible contradicts what he's telling me. And this went on for a few minutes and this young man was literally shaking by the time I got done. That wasn't Pharaoh Wilson. That was because I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God was able to speak through me at that moment and know what that young man needed to hear at that time. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit will do for you. But don't think it's something just for pastors or just for somebody that's going to go preach. You need this power in this last day. You need it. Well, how did I receive it? You asked for it. You didn't do anything fantastic to get saved, did you? No, you didn't. You didn't, do it. You didn't go fail out of form. <laughs> you didn't have to read the Bible all the way through. You may not even know what the Bible said. You may not even be able to quote one verse. And that's okay. It's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You ask for it. And you believe. Just like when you got saved. You say, Lord, I want to receive this gift. And I did when I, when I uh, had heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the preacher at the time, thank God, he, he never let up on the subject. He was always preaching on it. And I learned a little bit about it. And one night, a Sunday night, I said, Lord, if this thing is real, fill me. And He did. I mean, He lit into me and I was shouting and speaking in tongues. Mine was a dramatic experience. Some people not so. But just be praying for it more than anything. The message is very clear in verse 31. Prayer produces power. It does. And it's even intensified with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So know that you need to pray. That's the first thing. Even if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit... Folks, we have to pray, or nothing is going to happen. Nothing. Now, in outside of the church in your own life, if you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to have much of a relationship with God. If any. If any. Prayer sometimes is difficult. I know life is coming at us, and we got delays, we got emergencies, we've got things we got to do. But you're going to have to take time to pray, especially in these last days. In the modern churches, they teach about organization, positive thinking, and being a a people person. And I there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, as far as learning how to be a better people person. I might need to take that course myself. But it's not going to do much in the realm of the things of God, because God operates in the spirit and the supernatural And when you say that, well, we'll organize better, we'll start having a positive thinking and we'll teach people how to be better persons around the folks around them, especially unsaved, you might produce a better attendance in the church, but you're not going to produce anything for God. Not a single thing. That's not how God operates. God doesn't operate in seminars. God doesn't operate through men's organization and men's rules and, and denominations where they think that the, the rules and the tenets of faith are going to change and shake this world. It's not going to happen. I didn't read in that opening verse that they organized the church and come up with bylaws and the place was shaken. That's not what I read. It said they were praying. They were praying and the church was shaken. Shaken. Then they experience the power of God. If we're going to experience the power of God in these last days, somebody is going to be praying. Every single revival in human history has always been marked by prayer. Every single time somebody started with prayer. Usually one person, maybe two. And it was in the worst of times when drunkenness and thievery and all types of criminal activity going on. There was one particular revival up north that started in a shipyard. And the the revival was so powerful. So many thousands of people working there come up under conviction. They started bringing tools back and filled all their tool houses up. They had to build more. It was the tools they had stolen. Bars shut down in that area. You want to stop things going on like bars? You want to stop all the filth going on in our world? You're not going to do it by arguing with these people. You're going to do it by praying and seeing God begin to work. Too many Christians are illiterate about prayer. And that fault comes back to the pulpit of them not teaching Christians, hey, you should be praying. They maybe have never even heard about it in some churches. Isn't that amazing? Do you know there are churches, there's one in Middle Tennessee, that uh, the pastor is telling people we don't need the Bible anymore. And you would think, man, that would have to be a deserted place. This church is running two services. There's so many people coming. Shana sent me a video this past week of a church service. You just have to see it for me to describe it to you. I, I don't even have human words. It all the filth and flat-eyed heresy that was going this church service, I would shut it off even before it got started. Good, and something told me to go back and watch it, and there was kind of like a part two at another church. And I showed this to my wife. My wife just threw up her hands, walked off, didn't even comment. That's how bad it was. So I know they're not learning anything about prayer. I hope I can teach you about prayer. Prayer changes things. Not just the church, your own life. If you want things to change in your life, start praying. Start praying. Well, I'm already praying 30 minutes a day. Well, pray 45 minutes a day. Well, I'm praying 45 minutes a day. Pray an hour. I'm praying an hour. Pray two hours. You can't pray too much. Not only can the church be shaken, but your life can be shaken. And with God, that's a good thing. You know, even the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. They didn't know. Lord, how do I pray? What's different with you? If you don't know how to pray... Lay before God and say, Lord, I don't even know what to pray for. I have no idea. You're going to have to learn to pray big. And you're going to have to learn to expect. We have a living God that we serve. And He is more than able to meet your prayer request. And when you pray, that's the first thing. You ought to start asking big. Quit asking small. Quit asking for second hand stuff. Quit asking for crumbles on the ground. And just the little scraps from the table. Ask for the whole table. Ask for the whole house. I don't know if you're going to get it. But you can ask. And if you're expecting and it lines up with God's will, guess what? Guess what? It'll happen. But if you go in there doubting, you're not going to... I have never seen anybody in the Bible that prayed and they doubted and they received something from God. Look what faith does. Glenn was reading out of... uh, Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. The great chapter. The hall of fame of faith. Notice something they all had in common. They believed the Lord. They believed He could do it. And look at the mighty things they got done. Power is produced when you pray. Power. I'm talking about wonder working power. I'm talking about power to change this world. We're in a mess out here. We need something to change. And it can happen if we pray. And boldness happens when you pray. That prayer will change your life. You will become bold for the Lord. You will quit being timid. And you will stand up and be bold for the Lord. Something else this church had. If you look in verse 32. They were of one heart and of one soul. Now notice them that believed. We're not talking about the outside world. I'm talking about Christians. Them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And what that means. They loved each other. And them that believed. They were one heart, one soul. They loved each other. The true church of the living God is built on love. It is. Jesus loved you first. And that is the hallmark of Christianity is to love other people. If any of our efforts to reach the lost are not done in love, every bit of it is worthless. Every bit of it. If it's not done in love. Preaching against sin is not to scold someone. It's not to tell them how awful they are. If that's a preacher's motivation is to downgrade somebody, he needs to do the church a favor and get out of the pulpit. If I scream at you, you're not going to listen to me very long. I'm not talking about getting loud in Pentecostal preaching. I'm talking about if I say something hateful to you out of hate, then you pick up on that and I'm screaming at you. What good is it? It's not much. Preaching the gospel out of hate would be comparable to a fly landing on your friend's head, and then you take a baseball bat to swat it. I mean, you may have got the fly, but you heard him in the process. Uh, their Westboro Church is a great example of this. Westboro Baptist Church, uh, I think it's in Oklahoma. They stand out in front of soldiers' funerals, and they hold signs like there's no peace for the wicked. Uh, Pray for more dead soldiers. Uh, Thank God for dead soldiers. Uh, You're going to eat your babies. Uh, just things like that. God hates fags. That's another one they got. How are we going to reach the LGBT community? God doesn't hate them. God doesn't hate those people that are in sin. He wants them to change. He needs somebody with compassion to tell them the truth. But we can't do it through hate. When we present the gospel, the idea behind it is to preach the truth. And when you preach the truth, it's in hopes that they'll turn their life around. And if they get saved, all those things you don't like in their life, that sin, it'll change. It will change. And people are coming out of these lifestyles by the thousands. The news is not going to tell you this, but there's something happening in America. And there's people coming out of these lifestyles. They're figuring out the horror of it. There's people coming up and standing up now and saying, boy, You know, these people want to do these sex changes on children. Let me tell you what happened in my life and the horrors of it. It's happening. It's happening. CNN is not going to tell you. MSNBC, Fox, none of these people are going to tell you. But it's happening. And it's happening because they're figuring out that there is a Savior that loves them. Now, when I say love, though, I'm not talking about lust. The world calls love lust. This whole pride movement says that, Uh, They love, but they scream filth to anyone that disagrees with them. That's not love. That's childish and selfish because somebody won't agree with what you're doing. And if a Christian acts that way also, if somebody will not listen to you and disagrees with what you're saying about Christ, and you're mad at them over that, and you act ugly over that, you're no different than them. Shame on the Christians that would do that. If somebody don't agree with me, I can state my point, but I don't have to... Be ugly with them. I don't have to demean them and debase them as a human being. We have to present this gospel as love. And it's, it's a balance to it. You have to tell the truth and, but you got to do it out of love. You can't compromise with sin, but yet still in that you've got to tell them about the love of God. I would be willing to say that each and every one of you saved up in here, when you got saved, you think about it. There was a preacher that was telling you something out of love. He was telling you about Jesus Christ and how much He loved you. And He could change your life. Maybe a little hard sermon at some point. But somewhere in there, I bet you heard about the love of Christ. That's how you got saved. And that's the way we should present it. Uh, Love forgives and breaks down barriers. All this division we have in our nation, Jesus Christ can cure it. He can bring us all together. We should be able to sit down with anybody in this world at the table and discuss things in an intelligent manner without screaming at each other. We should. Love looks for the best in our brothers and sisters. You know, we could go across this sanctuary today and we could point out each other's fault very easily. We could see the faults easily. But it's time the church starts looking at our brothers and sisters. What's good about them also? What's wrong with paying somebody a compliment? What's wrong with saying, hey, man, I, I, God's blessed you. Look at Anthony. He's got 10 cars now or something. I can't keep all the cars he's got. Paying somebody a compliment every once in a while. Good to see you in church. Not texting, boy, you, where were you at today at church? That's not love. And if you're doing that, let's work on it.
0: <laughs> we need your help to keep sending gospel messages around the world. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you will see a secure means to donate by credit card, debit card, and ACH. We need your generous support to keep this ministry going. Every time you give, you are a direct part of carrying the message of the cross to the lost. Now, back to the second half of the sermon from Pastor Wilson. Love
1: produces the passion to the lost. You know, when I see people out in the world that are not saved, I know they're not saved. I hope they change. I hope it, the hour is getting late. And I want to see change in their life, not to prop up our numbers, not to make me look good, not to make the church look better. I don't want to see them in hell. I don't, I want to see them around that throne, gathered up and, and worshiping the King of Kings. Love makes people more important than their possessions. Now, if I hit home today, well, I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. Look at that last half, verse 32. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Let me tell you what that means, literally. None of them claimed that their possessions were their own. And they shared everything they had with each other. I get so tickled. You'll see it it make it cycle every once in a while, these preachers. We need a book of Acts church. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need the power on display in our church. What about that part where they gave everything they owned to the church? Oh, wait a minute. That's what they did. They took every single thing they had. They said, you know what? I'm not of this world. It doesn't belong to me. And it belongs now to God. Understand, though, that was the beginning of the church. Don't get too excited. Brother Wilson is going to ask for the deed to my house. I'm not going to do that. I don't see any commandment in the Bible after that where it says that you had to give everything you own. But it does say that you give a tithe to the church. Why did they do that in the beginning? Because they loved people so much and they wanted to see the church grow that they counted all their possessions as nothing. And they gave it to the work of God. There were some very wealthy people in the beginning church. Lydia was one of them. The lady that sold uh, purple clothing. She was a very wealthy lady. And she gave, she gave to the work of the ministry. We got it easy today. At a bare minimum, we were to give her a tithe. If you're listening by radio today and you're fed spiritually, you should be giving a good offering to this church to help continue this ministry out. Every year, the beginning of every year now, this radio, they have doubled the prices. It takes us just all, right at $3,000 just to cover license. That's not radio time. That's not the servers, anything else. Just license to air music is $3,000. And we need your help by radio also. So, what does giving money do? It shows your love for the work of God. You're saying, Lord, your church needs to go forward, and y'all do a great job. Don't give up. In the other side of that, the blessings are huge out of it. You will never outgive God. I've heard this before, and I believe it now. I'll tithe my way out of a financial crisis. I believe that. I, I trust God enough in my finances. If I'm having a problem with my finances, God is able to meet my need. I'm not rich. But i got a little old trailer and a little parcel of land out there. I never lack for food. I never lack for anything in my house. This church never lacks for anything. We're not abundant with a big account, but we don't hurt for anything. And I'm telling you, if you give to the work of God and show how much you love people, God will bless you many, 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 many times over. Hallelujah. Power of witnessing. Verse 33 with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord. And when the power of the Lord is is speaking from somebody, it's amazing what can happen. It can be even the calmest voice. I know there's been several times, especially in counseling people, that the power of God has come in and helped the situation when I didn't know what to say. I sit down with married couples involved and it was a I remember one in particular there was a bad bad situation was about to end in divorce I didn't know what to say I'm sitting there stunned and I I said Lord help me and God gave me the words and I, I said something to the man about basically you ought to show a little grace and mercy here you ought to be the one to say you know what I've wronged and I'm, I'm willing to make things right. And it may just seem like a, well, you should be saying that anyway. It was just the right words at the right moment when the power of God come in that room. He broke down crying. She broke down crying. That was years ago and they're still married. It wasn't me. It was the word of the Lord. I remember one lady come in, busted all over me because I got on their little book they had in this church. And she was, you, you don't know what you're doing. That, that book there has blessed many people. I'm not talking about the Bible. It was wrote by an author. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And I didn't know if she'd read the Bible or not. The Spirit of the Lord just said, set the Bible in front of her. And I said, the Bible in front of her? I said, and I asked her if she's read it. I said, ma'am, have you read that Bible? She turned, why is that right there? No. I said, well, until you read it, don't come back up in this office telling me what to do. Because if you don't know what the Lord says, if you don't know what the Bible says, I could care less about some book wrote by a feeble human being. I want to know what God has said. And I, I hope it changed. Or I don't know if it did. But then there's other times when you're, you're able to speak from the pulpit and watch the power of God change his life. And it's not just for preachers. Now, they preached that Christ had risen from the dead. they preached the message of the cross, and you have that ability. you don't have to stand in a pulpit. the next time somebody comes to you and sister Judy, what am I going to do about my life? It's in a wreck, and I have no answers. Hey, there's somebody who loves you. He died up on the cross for you, and he's able to forgive you. He was uh, rose from the dead, and now he's with the Father. You would be shocked at just what simple statements like that would do. You don't have to get complicated with this. You don't have to know a bunch of theology. Preach Christ to them crucified. Preach Christ died for this human race. And you will be shocked. You will be shocked at what it'll do. Here's what you have to understand. The power doesn't come from us, literally us. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And he uses a, a, a human vessel to speak. And it's just amazing. It's the supernatural, folks. It is. It is supernatural when somebody gets saved and just some simple words are said and it strikes that heart and the Holy Spirit begins to convict them and they're saved. Washington, D.C. is scurrying right now as we speak, trying to pass a bill that's going to save America once again. Now let's throw some money at it. Man, what, they tried $3 trillion. <laughs> Do you know how much money that is? Do you know how much $3 trillion is? I'm screaming at the TV. I had to shut it off. Then they got down to $800 billion. That's still a lot of change. And this is going to fix everything. What's it going to fix? Oh, we're going to give most of the IRS. <laughs> That's just going to cure everything right there, ain't it? And I, it hit me, I said, you know, if they would just give Jesus just a little leeway up in Washington, D.C., they'd let Him in the door. He'd cure every problem they have. He would set everything in order. i tell you how this is going to end in Washington, D.C. It's going to be another overloaded pork barrel spending bill that's going to get nothing done. And when you operate in the flesh, that's what you're going to get in your home, church, anywhere you operate in the flesh. That's exactly what you'll get. You'll spend a bunch of money and won't get nowhere. I know what can fix this country. is Holy Ghost-filled believers. Sharing and declaring the message of the cross. You want to see any presidents done good in this nation, they all have a hallmark. And things they accomplish in this nation turn things around. They surrounded themselves with Holy Ghost filled ministers. They did. You don't know why Trump was so successful and upright in this economy in the worst of times? He filled the White House with ministers. And they were whispering in his ear and telling him what would change this nation. And it was working. You wanna know how Ronald Reagan did so good? He filled the house with ministers. You know what'll change your home? Surround yourself with the Word of God. Let Jesus be the center of your household. Let, let let that power of God just rule and reign in your house and we'll see a change, not only in the church, but in this nation. There's power to witness if you do it God's way, if you do it His way. Look at the early church. They had nothing compared to what we have. Even our little church here with the limited finances we have, it's still pretty amazing what we have. You think about it. We've got a, a server that reaches all over the world. We've got a killer domain name, Cross Radio. That was a miracle in itself. I mean, everything else is usually, oh, you got to go to Power of the Cross Radio, Grenada, Mississippi. and you're like, how do you misspell all that? And anyway, we Cross Radio. Go there, listen to it. That's awesome. It's awesome. God has blessed us. We got tools that are available to us to reach the lost. We're fixing to have this sanctuary finished. We got the seating coming. I don't know what we're going to do with this building here and that something will happen with that house eventually. I'm waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord. I, we got a lot and this beginning church had nothing. Absolutely nothing. They gave, they were trying to Pile all their stuff together, take care of widows and orphans, and, and, but watch what they did have. They had the power of God so much that it shook the place they were in, and thousands, thousands were saved in their services. Thousands would commit their life to Jesus Christ. Thousands were being baptized in the Holy Ghost. What's our excuse? I'm not talking just the Lighthouse. I'm talking to all churches. What's our excuse? I'll tell you what's missing. Here and everywhere. I'm not saying it's not there. Don't. Oh, Brother Wilson said God ain't in the churches. I didn't say that. I'm just saying we start praying and committing ourselves more to the Lord. Seeking Him and praying for things and expecting and believing. We can see the place is shaking. This is not a, uh, a message to demean. It's a message to encourage and to say, look, it's time though that we've been asleep. It's time to wake up. God loves you and needs you on the battlefield. He needs you. He don't need just Brother Wilson. He needs everybody to wake up out of that sleep. Put your combat boots on. They tell some the military, pull your straps up and get your boots on. It's time to go. Put on your shield of faith, your helmet of salvation, breastplate of love, and have your feet ready to go when God calls you to go. And God will start sending people to you. He will. Don't look at the numbers. Now, quit worrying about numbers. I'm talking about even your own life. Well, all I know is that one center down the road. Well, good. That's where you start. Don't, don't despise them day as small things. Probably unknown to you was a school teacher named Ed Kimball. In 1858, he led a Boston shoe clerk to give his life to Christ. That clerk was Dwight L. Moody. He became an evangelist. And in 1879, look at that, 21 years later after he gave his life to Christ, 21 years later, Moody awakened an evangelist zeal in the heart of Frederick Meyer, pastor of a small church. Meyer went preaching to a college campus and brought to Christ a student named Wilbur Chapman. Later on, Chapman employed a former baseball player by the name Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday got to going around the nation holding evangelistic meetings. And in one time in Charlotte, North Carolina, Billy Sunday started these revival services. And when it ended, there was a group of men there that were so enthusiastic when it come to an end, they wanted to keep it going and they planned one more service. And they brought a minister by the name of Mordecai Ham. I'm not being unkind to Brother Ham. But really, his ministry was really nothing. He had very little to show in his ministry except this one meeting. And they got Brother Mordecai to come and preach this meeting. And during that revival, a young man by the name of Billy Graham heard the gospel and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Don't despise that day of small things of talking to one-on-one to somebody. I want to see thousands saved in a service, but I'd be willing to guess and, and just almost guarantee you that it's going to start one-on-one. It's going to start with you talking to people and leading them to the Lord. I'll tell you that is I've I've preached in services over at the prison, and I, I I've seen a lot of people get saved. That's really some of my the ministry that I can remember. I really, really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the times here we've had revival and watch people come to the Lord. I there's been hundreds come to the Lord in this church. I, I've lost count. I, I we've seen a lot of people baptized in the Holy Spirit here. We've carried kids to camp meeting and every one of them would be baptized in the Holy Spirit There's been some great times at this church. But I think one of the most emotional times that I can remember witnessing was leading somebody to the Lord at the dinner table. I'm gonna tell you, there to me as a Christian, there's no better feeling. I, I mean, it will lift you up. It is something just about it sitting there one on one with the person at the table and looking at them and watching the Holy Spirit just start flowing over them, and you see that conviction setting in, and tears flowing. And oh yeah, I know what's fixing to happen here. Amen. Come over to my house to complain about something. I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Take advantage of every situation the Lord gives you. And to those that are unsaved, I want to close with this. You're more loved than you know. If you're listening by radio today, there's somebody that loves you. There may be somebody listening today that's been contemplating suicide. There's somebody that loves you and He cares for you. It's Jesus that loves you. He'll be your brother. He'll stay right there by your side. I don't know. I feel that for some special reason today. It wasn't in my notes. I wasn't even thinking about that. But I feel like somebody listening may be considering taking their life. Don't do that. There's somebody that loves you. And if you'll commit your ways to Him and your life, your heart to Jesus Christ, He'll change your whole world. The church needs you to come in. The church needs everybody right now. We need everybody to come together to shake this world together. It can It can turn around we got to quit throwing up our hands and saying it'll never change. It'll change. Let's upright the broken foundations in our nations. Let's tell the world about a Savior that loves them. We have the power. We have the potential. And we are the church of the only true God. Amen. Would y'all stand with me this morning? I want to close this out with a prayer. I I, I feel heavy in my spirit This that somebody's listening. That's going to give their heart to Christ this morning. And just a simple prayer. Father, I come to You in the name of Jesus. Forgive me the way I've lived, the things I've done. Lord, right now I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I ask Him to come in and take control of my life. I believe He died upon the cross for me. He arose the third day and is now at Your right hand. Father, I'm asking every day of my life You would come in and help me and show me how to live this life. And ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And we say, Amen.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this sermon, we ask that you would follow us on our social media platforms to help us grow. For YouTube and Facebook, just search for Power of the Cross Radio and you will find us. Then, follow that account. We thank you in advance. Also, be sure to tune into our radio stream at www.cross.radio. We bring you the best sermons and Christian music mix on the internet today. Free radio apps are available in the Google Play and Apple stores. Just simply search for Power of the Cross Radio. Have a blessed day and hope you join us again soon.